I'm going to ask you to be seated very prayerfully. I'm going to ask Martin if he just keep playing. I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes for a moment this morning. As David was talking before the song, and then as we sang the words of the song, really wanted to take a moment this morning, but before we get into the message, to, to address you for a moment, maybe this morning through the words that David spoke and through the Holy Spirit and through this, the message in that song, maybe God revealed to you today that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And I want you to know this morning that as the song said, living he loved me. He, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. And his death brings salvation to us. His death brings eternal life to us. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So maybe this morning you've never placed your faith for salvation. You've never placed your faith of eternal life. You've never placed your faith for forgiveness of sins in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning right now before we begin the message to just say, yes, Jesus, I place my faith in you. I admit right now I'm a sinner. I admit that I cannot get to heaven on my own. I believe that you died for my sins. And I confess to you, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Would you do that right now this morning? In your own words, right where you're seated, just talk to God. Call upon him for salvation. Place your faith in him right now. And this morning, if God has revealed to you your need for that, and this morning you've taken the opportunity in this moment to surrender your life to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, so what I'm going to ask you to do in the close of our service, we're going to have another time, an opportunity to worship. We're all going to be standing at the close of the service, and I'm going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer this morning, that when, when the time comes at the end of the service, there'll be people standing here in front, they'll be facing you, and I would ask you to come shake their hand and let them know what you did. I'll be standing here at the front. If you'd like to let me know, I I would be glad to talk with you about it this morning. God, we are overwhelmed with the reality that Jesus loves us. Lord, it's not a general term of he loves people. It's, God, he loves me. For God so loved me that he sent his son Jesus to die for me. And Lord, every person in this room, the same truth for them. Lord, I pray this morning as maybe someone is touched by the Holy Spirit today and they've given their life to you, that at the close of this service they would have the courage and the boldness to walk forward this morning and proclaim their salvation. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. It's because of him that we're here. And without him this is meaningless, it's pointless. And so we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. We're glad that you chose to worship with us today. And uh, I want to ask you, how many of you in the room this morning, you uh, were on the infamous trip to Colorado this week? Anybody like that? I want you to stand up if you're in here and you went to that trip, all right? All right, so look around the room. These people got in the church parking lot about 3.30 this morning. Is that correct? I was here to greet them. Uh, 
I don't think they saw me. It was a weird, it was kind of weird that way. Would you give them the hand for showing up for church? Yeah. So, uh, I, I can just be honest this morning. If I would have got in at 3 o'clock this morning, I probably would not be here in front of you. But uh, thankful for them. Pray for the rest. There's uh, 11 of them that are on their way. The last text I got right before service was that they're uh, planned to be here at 1245, excuse me. So we thought we'd have church until 1245 to greet them. So not really. Um, open up your bulletin. I hope you got a bulletin this morning. Open up your bulletin. It has our outline uh, for this morning. I'm curious if, if anyone this morning, my guess is this is going to be a no, um, without researching or getting your phone out and uh, Googling the answer. Does anybody remember what they were doing? This section over here, don't, don't even listen for this part. You weren't alive yet. On April the 2nd, 1988. April the 2nd, 1988. Somebody have a birthday? Happy birthday. April the 2nd, 1988. We won't ask you what birthday that was. Anybody else remember what you were doing April the 2nd, 1988? I'll tell you what I was doing because it's very significant. Okay? I was 14 years old. So some of you can do the math now. I was 14 years old, April the 2nd, 1988. My parents, let me rephrase that, my dad flooded our house. Okay? Um, we won't get into details. Because he's not into details, obviously, right? He flooded the house. And I remember, the reason I remember April the 2nd, 1988, that he flooded the house not so much for that event, but on April the 2nd, 1988, so the real event I want to tell you about. Has anybody figured it out yet? Anybody? I didn't figure so. It's very significant to my heart, though. April 2nd, 1988, the NCAA National Championship basketball game, and Kansas beat Oklahoma. Can I get an Amen. I didn't get one. I got Amos. That was it. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Somebody asked how the football game was yesterday. TCU won. That's what, that's what it was. Got my purple on. All right. KU did not fare so well. I, I'm a fair weather friend. I'm not, I'm not a KU football fan. All right. There's not much to be a fan about. But in 1988, April the 2nd, Kansas Jayhawks were playing, anybody know who they were playing? Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma Sooners were the number one seed in the tournament that year. Kansas had barely got into the tournament that year, but they slid in. Probably the only reason they really got in the tournament was because uh, most people's uh, understanding that the best player in the nation at that time was playing for the University of Kansas, Danny Manning, all right? So probably the only real reason they got in there was because of his name recognition and they wanted him in the tournament. They had made it all the way through championship game, Oklahoma versus Kansas. They've already played twice that year. Oklahoma beat them both times. Everybody's ex expectation was that Oklahoma would destroy 
Kansas in the championship game. There was no way, uh, uh, Kansas didn't have enough athletes, they didn't have good enough athletes, and they didn't have enough of them, all right? OU was the, the stronger team, the faster team. They had the deeper bench than KU ever. In fact, last night, I was just so interested in this story, I started watching the game again, all right? So you can get on YouTube and watch the entire game if you're so interested. Um, and so I was watching just to kind of refresh my memory, and I already had in my notes that everyone was saying the only way for KU to beat Oklahoma that year was to slow the game down, right? So if you know anything about basketball, right, uh, KU was, uh, their only chance of winning was to slow the game down and to make it a half-court game and to, and, and to, because OU was just so fast, they always were running, they were so good, the only chance KU had was to, to, to slow the game down. And to everyone's acknowledgement, when the game started, Kansas' game plan was not to slow the game down. They went running with Oklahoma. And again, last night I was watching this uh, game again. The commentator, from the get-go, there is no way that Kansas can keep pace with Oklahoma. They don't have enough athletes. They're not good enough athletes. I mean, he's just dogging on them, right? And over and over again. And the halftime score, you know what the halftime score was of that game? 50-50. to 50. They ran the entire first half. It was an amazing game, and so uh, obviously I would not be telling you any of this if Kansas didn't win, but Kansas won, a great day, but what's the purpose of me telling you that my dad flooded our house, that Kansas Jayhawks, it, it's, it's the idea of strategy. This morning we're going to talk to uh, us parents in here, or us grandparents, and for those of you future parents, all right? So uh, how many uh, grandparents or great-grandparents do we have in the room this morning? Put your hand up. All right, very good. Let's give them a hand, right? Give them a hand. How many, uh, how many parents do we have in the room today? All right, very good. Now, I, I, uh, I have to preface this. Last week, um, and, and while I'm doing this, turn to Nehemiah chapter 4, all right? And as you turn there, last week I asked Matt, uh, several weeks ago, I asked Matt, our administrative pastor, uh, who, by the way, uh, I want to say thank you to Matt and Nathan as uh, we, uh, we were trying to get the rest. So you saw the people standing that went on the Colorado trip. That's about 80% of the group. The rest of them stayed in Colorado a little longer, and we tried every avenue we could to get them home, but we just left them there. No, uh, Nathan and Matt um, got voluntold to go yesterday. At, at 12.45, they loaded in the church van with a trailer and headed to Colorado. I think they got there about midnight, loaded all of those people standing's luggage in the trailer, and turned around and came back with nine extra people, all right? So last time I heard, they'll be back about 12.45. Anyways, I asked Matt a few weeks ago if he would speak last week on finances. And so if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go on our website, whether it's on the Facebook page or on our actual webpage, and listen to the message from last week, Fighting for Your Finances. Matt did an amazing job. And one of the reasons I asked Matt uh, to speak on that particular subject is because Matt, uh, in my mind, is an expert on that particular subject. He does, not only does he know what God's Word says about it, as he revealed to you last week, but he practices it. All right, he's really good at it. Okay, and so I'm saying all that to say that today as we talk about parenting, I'm coming from the perspective, I'm not an expert at parenting, all right? I remember many years when I was in youth ministry, 
I did a lot of um, parenting seminars, and I didn't have any kids, okay? Like, that's just not, that's not even smart, all right? So I'm, I want to share with you, really, I hope I just want to encourage you as parents, as grandparents, as future parents, uh, in this idea of raising our kids, all right, and teaching them to know God. So would you do me a favor? Would you stand with me this morning as we read Nehemiah chapter 4? Nehemiah chapter 4, this is the same few verses we've been reading every week in this series. So this is round 5, Fight for Your Family. It's going to be on the screen, but you can follow along in your Bible or your iPad or the bulletin or on the screen, all right? Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 12 through 14. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from wherever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people. All right, now, I want you to either on, in your text, or probably best for uh, unity's sake, let's all look on this, one of the two screens, all right? And I want us this morning, I'm going to begin reading verse 14 again as it is on the screen. And when we get to the part that's underlined, can you guys read with me aloud? All right? You don't sound confident. Can you guys read with me aloud? All right. So when I get to the underlined part, all right? And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray this morning as we look at your word that we would be encouraged, but that we would also be challenged to fight for our sons and our daughters. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. And again, so get your bulletin. We're going to, I have promised Allison, that I would try to get out on a decent time. The last two weeks we were a little long, all right? And so uh, the nursery workers and the children's workers would be really thankful if I got done on time today. Um, and I made a promise, so we'll see. Uh, last time my dad was here and gave me 20 bucks and it worked, so if you have any $20, you know, I'm a creature of habit. Number one, there's a strategy involved. I'll give you three strategic moves or three strategic things you can be a part of. Number one is know the enemy. Know the enemy of your sons and your daughters. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, it's going to be on the screen for us, but if you want to, uh, to look in your Bible, Ephesians 6, verses 1 uh, through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is every parent's favorite verse, every kid's uh, most hated verse, right? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you. You may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, I don't like this verse so much, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's be honest for a minute, dads. How many of you guys, uh, for lack of a better way of saying this, how many of you men, dads, you you will be honest enough this morning to say, sometimes you're a jerk to your kids? Raise your hand, all right? It it was funny. uh, I was reminded of a such time in my life. Um, you guys ever seen those like vitamin type waters that 
are like for good night's sleep or whatever or for stress. You guys, you guys ever seen those? And this has been, this has probably been eight years, at least eight years ago. It was before we, we moved to Kansas. And um, Blake and Blair were in the back seat. I don't remember where we are. I don't remember the circumstances. I just remember being a jerk, all right? And, uh, and, and so Blair, um, it, she's not in here so I can say this. Blair, uh, she was quite a bit younger and she was not in a great mood. We'll put it that way, okay? And um, I went in the gas station to get something and I just happened to see this water that had a label on it that was like, I, I, I've looked all week trying to find that water again. I can't find it, but it, it was like, are you stressed out or irritable or something like that? And so I grabbed the water, and, and it had this awesome description of like, hey, if you're stressed out and gripey and irritable, this water will fix all your problems, right? I'm paraphrasing. And so I thought, this is going to be awesome. And so I buy the water, and I go, I say, hey, Blair, I got some water for you. It didn't go well. I don't even know why. I don't even know why. So... You guys are judging me right now, I know. It hurts, it really hurts. I'm not perfect, I told you that from the beginning. Look at verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, or excuse me, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Let me read those two verses. They're going to be on the screen for you this morning in the New Living Translations. Because it has some words that maybe will um, kind of connect with us in our topic of fighting for your family. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 in the New Living Translations. Put on all God's armor so that you may be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Here, here's the truth, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, future mom and dad. So number one here is to know the enemy of your sons and daughters. And I think we often correlate, we, if you've been in church very long, you've heard these verses of Scripture, right? We're in a spiritual battle. If you've been a part of this series, we've been talking about the fact that Satan wants to destroy your marriage. Satan wants to destroy you personally. Satan is, is attacking you. And so I, I think sometimes we forget as parents, but just as real as Satan's attack on us, Satan also is attacking who? Your children. They're in a spiritual battle just as you are in a spiritual battle. And I think oftentimes as parents who are supposed to be spiritually leading our children, we forget. And we don't have any kind of strategy, any kind of plan. Going back to even what, as Matt was talking last week about our finances, if you don't plan how you're going to spend your money, you know what happens, right? Your money just goes. If you don't have a strategy of how you're going to teach your kids and train your kids and grow your kids to know the Lord, guess what? Somebody does have a plan. Somebody has a plan to destroy your kid's life. And it's Satan. He has a strategy. Look at verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So here's the problem in a lot of our homes today. We don't have a strategy, and we don't even, we're not even engaged in the fight. But guess, guess what Scripture is revealing to us? Someone does have a strategy, and someone is attacking your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. 
So know your enemy. First Peter 5, 8 is listed there on your bulletin. It's not typed out for you. It says, but be sober and vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. How many of you um, fly often? How many of you fly often? You get in the airplane. Anyone, you know, your frequent flyers in here, a few of us. How many of you hate to fly? How many of you are, like, scared to death to fly? Okay, how many of you don't fly often, but you, it doesn't bother you? You're okay flying, all right? So that's the majority of us in here, all right? I mean, I'm not sure too many people really enjoy it, but unless maybe you're the pilot. But if you've been on an airplane... It doesn't matter what country you are in or what country you're going to or what language they speak on the plane, you're going to hear the same speech, right? And whether uh, a lot of them now are all doing videos, right? And so even the last one was almost like a cartoon, cartoon video. In any language, no matter what airline you fly, they're always going to have the same spill, right? And one of them that's always said is the oxygen, oxygen mass that falls out from above you, Right? Think for a minute, those of you that have flown before. Well, let me ask this real quick. How many of you listen to all the instructions? <laughs> How many of you never listen to the instructions? All right. There's a lot of you that didn't vote. I don't even know what you do. <laughs> and every time, you know what they say and, or depict on the video or on the little diagram they have on the, on, on the plane there? is that you're supposed to do with that, what with that oxygen mask first? Like protect yourself first, right? And then what? And then put it on your children. So in that illustration, and we think about in Scripture that we're in a fight, you can see that illustration as well. Here's the reality, mom and dad. If you are not fighting the enemy in your own life, if your spiritual walk with God is not where it needs to be, you have not protected yourself, how effective can you be in affecting your kids? How effective can you be in protecting them from the schemes or the strategy of Satan? Know your children's enemy, but again, it starts with you. Are you, are you spiritually walking with the Lord? So, number one, know your enemy. Number two, <clears throat> fight for your sons and your daughters. The statement here, parents quit fighting with your sons and daughters and start fighting for your sons and daughters. Isn't it an amazing? Uh, again, it's, it's relational. This is all relational advice, right? We're talking about the last few weeks about marriage and and relational advice in marriage, but it's really in any, relation you, in any relationship you have, right? So the closer I get to God, the, the more I walk with God, the more God is going to give me wisdom in every relationship I have, whether that's with my spouse or with my kids. And how easy it is for us as just normal, everyday people to forget that we're, we should be fighting for our kids and we start fighting with our kids, you guys ever had one of those great days and all of a sudden the great day just turned into the worst night of your life? Yes or no? Yeah, right? How easy it is to forget. Let's, let's look at a, a few of the strategy here. Number A under your outline there. So fight for your sons and daughters. A is bring your sons and daughters 
to the Lord. It's an interesting verse in Mark chapter number 10, and I think we reference it a lot. I'll be honest, I'm not sure how many times I've referenced this passage of Scripture in talking about how I can become a better parent. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 and six through 16, it says, verse 13, Then they brought the little children to him. Then he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the children come to me and do not forbid them, for as such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter in. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. Again, to reference verse 13, the first part of that verse says, Then they brought little children to him. And, and I want you to think for a moment, especially those of you this morning that maybe are soon to have kids or you have small, small children, what are you doing actively? What is your strategy to bring your kids to the Lord? What are you doing purposefully at home to train your kids? We've, we've mentioned this several times in church, and we're going to keep mentioning this several times as, as often as we think we should. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you have not signed up for Right Now Media, there's thousands of resources on there for you, and one of the, the resources that they have plenty of is, is Bible studies for you and your kids. Bible studies, mom and dad, for you on what, how you can minister to your teenagers. I mean, there's all kinds. If you haven't signed up for it yet, you don't know how to sign up for it yet, uh, I'll say it again as I did two weeks ago. Email Dave, and he'll let you sign up. All right, he'll send you a link. You can sign up. But what are you doing actively? Here's some, some interesting statistics. Nearly half of all Americans who accept Jesus as their Savior they do it before the age of 13. 64% give their life to Christ in America before their 18th birthday. 64%. M Mom and Dad, do you think it's important for you to have a strategy on how you're going to reach and bring your people to the Lord, bring your kids to the Lord? It's very important. Another interesting thought, among Christians who embrace Christ before their teen years, listen to this, among those who gave their life to Christ before they were teenagers, 60% of them were led to Christ by their parents or another relative. So parents, what are you doing to actively bring your children to the Lord. Bring them to the Lord. The second, or B under there. Or actually, it's a point, two points under A. Focus on their heart. Focus on their heart. All right, so fight for their heart. They, I want to encourage you. Here's a resource if you want to write down a resource, especially uh, if you have teenagers or young kids. Or, um, it's called The Five Love Languages. All right, so how many of you read the book Five Love Languages? All right, so there's five love languages for everything, like uh, for Christ, for your spouse, for your teenagers, for your elementary age kids, for your dog maybe, I don't know, the five love languages, but I encourage you to, to read it. Because here's the premise of the book real quickly. He equates how we receive love in, in five different languages. 
okay? And so I won't go into all the details of it. My, my personal love language is words of affirmation, all right? So if I feel loved, in order for me to feel loved, you have to tell me how awesome I am, okay? Okay? Or make me cookies, one of the two. No, no I'm just kidding. My wife's love language is acts of service, right? So as long as she's telling me how awesome I am, and as long as I do the dishes, we both feel loved. And the truth is, she tells me how awesome I am way more than I do dishes, all right? That's just the truth. So your kids, we, we figured out real quickly that, that our son's love language was quality time. He always wanted to be next to us, especially me. So it was easy for him to feel loved as long as I hung out with him, okay? And so he was very intentional about being with us, all right? Blair's love language is uh, gifts, all right? I know all of you think every, every girl's love language is giving them something, but that's just hers. And we figured that out when she was really young because in, in her bedroom she could tell you every, every item someone had given her and who gave it to her and why they gave it to her, when they gave it to her. I'm like, I have no idea, right? So I want to encourage you, get the book, read it, figure out your kids, okay? Well, the premise, again, of the book is you may be, so naturally I'm going to speak my love language to others, so, you know, if I, every spiritual gift test I've ever taken has been, an, I'm an encourager. I'm going to tell you how awesome you are, mainly because I want you to tell me how awesome I am, right? So just naturally, I'm going to speak my love language, okay? Are you guys tracking with me? This is going really fast, but are you tracking with me? All right. But I don't hear any other language than my own personal love language. So... Even though Joy is doing all these acts of service for me because that's her love language, I'm not necessarily perceiving that as I feel loved. Are you guys tracking with me? I know this is really deep. And so it's the same for your kids. Or I can tell my kids how awesome they are because that's naturally what I do. That's the language I speak, but it doesn't necessarily mean they feel loved. So figure out your kids' love language and speak it to them. Be intentional. Okay, one of the ways that I did this a few years back was when, <clears throat> when we moved to Kansas— um, it, was a, it was a weird time in our family's life. It was what God wanted us to do. But just to be honest with you, m- my kids, uh, one was, Blake was eighth grader. Do- uh, my daughter Blair was a fifth grader. It wasn't like their idea to move, okay? Uh, nor was it anything they really desired to do. And I had to figure out, you know, we were having this tension in our home. How do I make these kids know that even though everything in their life is different, that I still love them and that God still loves them? And so when Blair was in fifth, I think actually in sixth grade at middle school, uh, there was no way really for us to communicate uh, while she was at school because the school system blocked every kind of, you know, social media site, which probably was a good idea. Uh, There was, however, one that I found that I could communicate with her every day. It was Snapchat, all right? How many of you know what Snapchat is? Okay, a few of you that have kids, all right, or students. And so, uh, almost, not, not every day, but oftentimes, uh, it used, usually always seemed like it was about 10, 30, or 11, just happened to be when I would think about it, I would send her a Snapchat, and it was my way of speaking her love language, okay? So, uh, I knew that um, she received them, because oftentimes, when you send this picture, okay, just real quick tutorial, they have like 10 seconds, and the picture disappears, all right? Well, that was originally how it was, all right? And so she could screenshot those pictures. And so when she screenshot that picture, it was like this 
for me anyways, it was like, okay, she received that gift. Are you guys tracking with me? So do you guys, this is like six, seven years ago. Do you guys want to see some of those pictures I sent to her? Yes or no? Yes. All right, because you're going to have to convince me to show them to you, all right? They were going to show them to you whether you voted or not, weren't they? Awesome stuff. And the last one here really has a meaning behind it. Genetics is strong, all right? So, yeah. I, that made her feel loved. Don't ask me how, all right? Every, every kid is different, aren't they? And it's your responsibility, mom and dad, to be a student of your student. Learn their love language. Learn what speaks into their life. And your responsibility is to bring them to Christ. And here's the truth. I don't believe that they're going to come to Christ and, and receive God's love in their life as easily if they don't think you love them. When they realize mom and dad love me, it's so much easier for them to realize and to understand God's love in their life. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we don't have time to read it, we're going to keep moving on. Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us to uh, love, teach our kids to love God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And, and Matt made this statement that in finances, oftentimes it's taught, not just caught. And I would say the same goes for this aspect of training our kids to know Christ, but I would say it goes both ways. And I would say, let's just say it's caught and it needs to be taught. Right? So people oftentimes would say, well, I prefer quality time over quantity time with my kids. And I say, why can't we have both? Okay, quantity and quality. So teach them it's, it's caught and it's taught. All right, we're moving quickly, I know. B, fight for your sons and daughters. B, know the relational strategy. So this is something very simple. If you want to write this down, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Okay, if, if, if all you're feeding your kids is rules and they don't feel loved, guess what their natural response is going to be? To rebel. Okay, in probably my age and a little bit down, maybe a little bit above, my age, what generally speaking Parents were really good at the rules aspect. Okay, we were really good at giving rules. And what did that, without, rules without relationship are going to lead to what? Say it with me. Rules without relationship lead to what? Rebellion. Okay? So the flip side of that, so the next generation behind me, or really um, how my generation raised our kids, we have a tendency, and I'm very, I'm generalizing, all right? We maybe were raised more in the aspect of rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And the flip side of that, what my generation has done, has gone too far the other way. So the next one, relationship without rules leads to ruin. You've got to have both. There's got to be balance. Okay? The first verse we read, children, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents. There's an assumption there. 
Okay, the assumption that we're always going to go to is, yeah, kids obey me, right? The assumption there, though, is that there are rules. Okay, you, you guys, have you ever, um, so I, I've coached a, lo- a long time, a lot of kids. You ever coached or watched kids and how easy it is to pick out who has no rules at home, right? Okay, so relationship without rules leads to ruin, okay, but... Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. There's got to be some balance there. We've got to have boundaries, right? Your kids need boundaries, okay? Uh, I'll, I'll be completely honest. In our home, and, and maybe some of you don't know, uh, my son now is, is 20 years old. He's third year in college. My, my daughter is a senior in high school. At this point in our life, uh, not really anything we've done. God has blessed us, and they're really good kids, okay? In spite of... You know, me being a jerk and buying water for my daughter, all right? They're really good kids. And in our home, rules really weren't, we, we had boundaries. And, and with boundaries come some rules, right? But let's be careful that we're balanced on those things, right? What scripture talks about speak the truth in what? Love. To have grace, all right? Number three, surround your sons and daughters with Christian community. Surround them with Christian community. As we read in Nehemiah chapter 4, the nation came together, the nation fought together, and why did the nation come together? Why did the nation fight together? It was for their brethren, their wives, their husbands, their sons, their daughters, their families. Mom and dad, it's your responsibility to train your, your student, your kid, to know Jesus. And part of that responsibility is allowing a church to come alongside and help you. Okay, it's, let me be really clear, it's not the church's responsibility to disciple your kid. I know that sounds crazy. It's not the church's responsibility to disciple your kid. You know whose responsibility is to disciple your kid? Yours, okay? Now, we have some amazing teachers. Our, right now in our kids' church, and, and I didn't keep my promise, I'm going long. Right now in our kids' church, we have some amazing volunteers. Every week we have amazing volunteers, amazing Sunday school teachers, uh, amazing youth leaders who work with our students on Wednesday night and Sunday morning at 930. And I'm thankful to God that we have great adult volunteers who invest into your kids and invest into my kids. Aren't you thankful for that? Yeah, give them a hand. I'm thankful for them. But because we have great Sunday school teachers and great youth leaders, doesn't take your responsibility away. It's your responsibility to disciple your kid. Now, I believe part of you discipling your kid is to make sure they're in church. Make sure that they're here on Wednesday night. Make sure that they're here for Sunday school. They need to hear the same thing you're teaching from someone else. But don't fail to teach them at home because you're, you're being taught here. Are you guys following me? Have them in community. Have them involved in, in church. There's a point in their life, and, and every kid is different, where a lot of them, not all of them, will get to the point where church isn't cool anymore. Right? Right? 
And I've heard so many parents say, well, we're not going to make our kids go to church. Well, you make them get up, I think, right? You make them go to school. There's nothing better for you to make them do than to go to church. Encourage them to be here. Encourage them to develop friendships inside the community of our church. And be thankful that this church has some of the greatest kids workers and youth leaders and college leaders anywhere. Take advantage of that. But don't drop your responsibilities at home. So let's close this up this morning. Think about it from this perspective. I want to encourage you and challenge you. Are you even fighting for your kids? Are you really fighting for them in their spiritual walk? If you're like me, life can get really busy, really stressful, and you forget to fight for your family. And if you're not intentional, before you know it, they've already graduated high school and they're gone. It happens quick, doesn't it? All of us old people in here can tell you young people that. Have a strategy. Invest in the spiritual walk of your kids. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? Maybe God has, has challenged you this morning to be a little more strategic in fighting for your family and for your kids. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to have an opportunity of worship. Maybe God has challenged you this morning in, in uh, being a little more intentional. Maybe that's for grandma and grandpa on here. You never stop being mom and dad, right? Maybe there's still some intentionality you need to have with your kids or your grandkids. And so I want to encourage you in a moment when we stand, if, if God has spoken to that area of your life, that you'd come forward and, and talk to God about it. Maybe it's mom and dad coming forward together today and saying, you know what? Let's get on the same page. Let's be intentional. Let's, let's make sure our kids know who Jesus is. Maybe it's dad, it's getting mom across, bringing her down here, grabbing your kids on the way down, and praying as a family. Maybe it's confession, dad, to say, you know what, I haven't been intentional, and I'm going to begin to make some changes. Spend some time with prayer today. Let's fight for our children. Maybe for a church member today and your kids don't live here and they're gone and they're grown or you don't have kids, and then maybe this morning to come forward and say, you know what, I'm going to be intentional to invest in other people's kids. Whether that's teaching in kids' church, whether it's just praying for them, having a word of encouragement for someone that we as a body of believers, that we as a community would train up children to know Jesus.
This morning we started our service talking about um, giving you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. And I would say again this morning, we're at the close of our service. We're going to stand in a moment. And if you'd like to tell somebody you made that decision, maybe you'd like some more explanation or information about that decision, there's going to be some leaders up here. They're going to be facing you. And when you come forward this morning, the moment we stand, just shake their hand. They would love to explain the decision you made to you. They would love to help you understand. God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for parents and grandparents who taught me to know Jesus. Lord, I pray that we as a church, we as families, we as single moms or single dads this morning would be challenged and encouraged to fight for our children. Lord, help us just to worship you in the last few minutes of this service, Lord. We are thankful again for the gift of Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning, and as you stand, Dave's going to lead us in worship. Let's just, let's just worship as a church family this morning.